Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to The Delicious Podcast with me, Julie Smith. And this week I'm at Spitalfield's super cool Thai restaurant, Somsa, learning how to cook like its owner, Andy Oliver. Andy tells me how he learned to cook with Thai food hero David Thompson at his legendary Thai restaurant, Nam, and what he thinks now about the Twitter storm last year, which resulted in him sacking one of his own chefs for a racist slur. But first, he told me what he was going to prepare for me. So we're going to be making somtam, which is green papaya salad pounded in a clay pestle and mortar. And we're going to do a slightly different version of one today with uh, Thai cucumbers in and also a green sour leaf. And somtam is probably the most popular salad in Thai cuisine, isn't it? I think that, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, it's one of the big classic uh, Thai dishes in the repertoire and it's eaten across the country. It's a real comfort food for Thai people often eaten with grilled dishes like grilled chicken. Yeah, and very, very easy to do at home as well. Easy to do at home, definitely. And you can vary the ingredients depending on what you have, That just the principles of how it's seasoned and tasted and how it's made in a pestle and mortar are what you follow. Cool. So what are you going to do to start with? So first you're going to start by, I'm going to start by pounding some Thai garlic cloves with some chilies in the pestle and mortar. And then I'll add some seasonings following that, which are, the seasonings are uh, fish sauce, lime juice, and tamarind water. Okay. Chilies we know we can get regu- easily in the supermarket, but Thai garlic? Yeah, Thai garlic's a smaller clove garlic, um, which is quite sweet, not as punchy, not as aggressive as um, the larger um, garlic. And it's the, the skins are really tender, so you can actually um, eat the skin as well. So I'm pounding these with the skin on. Taste a little bit like you would if you were roasting garlic, for example, to get that sweeter taste with the skin. Yeah, I think that's right. Sometimes you, I think you compare it to new season garlic, which isn't quite as aggressive as the older, more punchy stuff. Yeah. So that's the garlic right. pounded down. So yeah. tell me, you're a white man in London town cooking Thai food. How did that happen? Yeah, I think it, it's really just, I, I just fell in love with the food, to be honest. Um, I, I always I always liked Asian food. Um, I always was more excited by Asian recipes. In uh, Asia, in Thailand itself, or here? Yeah, both here. Like, when I was growing up, like, as a young kid, I was cooking a lot at home, and I was always picking up Asian recipes more than I was Western sort of cookery books. Um, but also, I travelled around Southeast Asia and, and um, caught the bug for it there. Yeah, and most importantly, of course, you, you worked with David Thompson, didn't you? I did, yeah. Um, but I'd read David Thompson's books. Um, but then when I became a professional chef, one of the first things I did to try and work out where I wanted to work was to spend some time in different restaurants around London. And one of the restaurants I went to was Nam, David Thompson's Thai restaurant in London. I spent a week in the kitchen there and I met David, and he was very kind and offered me a job. Um, 
and from there on I sort of never really looked back he introduced me to this whole world of Thai cuisine which I could only have dreamed of before and it really set me off and inspired me uh, and, and set me on the trajectory to sort of make Thai food my career yeah, yeah. that was one of the things that really changed the direction of my career or made me certain that this is what I want to do. Um, Dave is a very inspiring character and he's someone who, if you like, is the Western world's authority on Thai food. Um, he opened up, you know, he, he spent a long time living in Thailand and also researching Thai food and he introduced me and a lot of other people to some of the more interesting and sophisticated Thai re- uh, recipes and also just, you know, sort of the idea that Thai food can be as diverse or as sophisticated or as, or as complex as any cuisine in the world. Yeah, and his restaurant, Dolly Street Thai in Sydney, was one of the first to really propel uh, Thai food into the stratosphere. That's right. Yeah, so we've got a really lovely paste there. Yeah, so that's the garlic and chilli pounded down, and I've started to pound in a little bit of palm sugar here, and then I'm going to bruise in some little cut pieces of lime. You put lime juice in this dish, but we'll also bruise in some pieces of lime, and that's because the pieces of lime, the, the skin gives a, a fragrance and a, and a taste to the dish as well. So we've got um, the, the sugar in there, which is a really nice quality palm sugar. Um, it's made from, from coconut sap. And then tamarind is going in as well, as well as lime juice. That's sort of two souring agents. Um, the tamarind has like a, lime juice has a bright sourness and the, time, uh, and the tamarind water has a more rounded, almost fruity, kind of plummy um, sourness and a slight sweetness as well. And then, of course, the the other element is fish sauce to add saltiness. Yeah, exactly. Um, Which is in just about every Thai dish, isn't it? A lot, yeah. It depends on which part of the country. Sometimes they use... uh, Namplara, which is a fermented fish sauce, particularly in east and the northeast of the country, which is an even more pungent version of fish sauce. So you started cooking as a pop-up. That's right. Yeah, I, um, you know, I was I was working as a as a chef um, at the Begging Bowl, a really good Thai restaurant in South London. But I sort of wanted to strike out on my own, and I started out doing that as um, just one day a week in in. Um, in the forecourt of a bar in Peckham, like grilling Thai food, and and that's sort of where the journey of Somsai began. And then I met Tom, my business partner, and we started um, Somsai as as a residency type pop up um, in Hackney, which we did for a year. And it's a kind of a very cool thing to do. People love residencies; they get to kind of they feel like they're discovering a new chef. But for you, you're always using somebody's kitchen. You know, you're always feeling a little bit. Uh, nomadic does it keep you on your toes I think that's exactly right you know it's a really useful way of getting started and especially if you don't have money or funding or people behind you or loads of experience like this is a sort of low barriers to entry way of just getting cooking really and getting your name out there and learning without having to raise a whole load of money to find bricks and mortar Um, but it's definitely a compromise because as you say you don't own the space you often have to work in someone else's kitchen in strange hours or with equipment that's not ideal so it's very much you know it's often very much a stepping stone and that's what it was for us we wouldn't want to have done it forever but it was an amazing period that allowed us to move forward and open a restaurant and I wonder if that's one of the things that really kind of appeals to you know your cool Shoreditch crowd Um, I mean I know you've been in other places but you know the kind of the millennials in particular who do love eating out so much I wonder if it makes food more accessible knowing that you're just a little bit uncomfortable that you're just you know kind of house sitting as it were 
Yeah, I think um, I think people do warm to the idea of pop arts. They they get the it's, you're not going to have all the comfort and um, all the trappings of a restaurant. And, but it's exciting and you often find really exciting cooking people who are just at the start of their career who are full of passion and enthusiasm and um, so I think like London and, and, and the UK in general has really embraced that, that yeah. format yeah and so in your pot here your lovely big clay pot presumably you know you can do this in a, any a pestle and mortar I mean I've got two yeah. quite small ones but that's you right you could do it in a pestle and mortar or you could even do it in like you know, a large, large kind of solid mixing bottle with a rolling pin. You're, all you do, you're not, you're not making a paste. You're bruising the ingredients. Right. So you're trying to bruise the dressing into the other ingredients. So it doesn't require a stone, really large pestle and mortar. Yeah. This is perfect for it. This is, it is designed to make somtan these types so, of salads. Yeah, in. I mean, this is the size of a small hat. I might add. Yeah, yeah, it's large, but they're not expensive, and you can pick them up in Chinatown or even online. Like, it's great to have around. It really encourages you to make this type, kind yeah, of, type of dish. Well. Yeah. Next, we've we've put in the shredded green papaya. So that's underripe papaya, which is not sweet, but it's very crunchy. Um, and also snake beans, which are a kind of long green bean from Asia. But you could, if if you couldn't get hold of those, use like regular green beans. Uh, some cherry tomatoes you're a slightly different variety in Thailand but your regular everyday cherry tomato is a really appropriate substitute and even strangely enough like slightly underripe tomatoes and not the best tomatoes are are more similar to the slightly crunchier tangier tomatoes that you'd use in Thailand so sometimes you know ripe and sweet is not always what you want okay bashing it all again this is all about bruising mixing it all together exactly Yep. Um, and also in there, this version, I'm, I'm putting some Thai cucumbers, um, which are a small, crunchy variety of cucumber, which you just cut at the angle, and that'll like add a different note in the, a different kind of textural note in the um, in the papaya salad. The other interesting and unusual ingredient I'm putting in this one is um, a leaf called Bai Cham Wong, um, which is a sour green leaf. It almost tastes a little bit like green apple. Um, there are lots and lots of varieties of som tam out there, and in the restaurant um, at Somsa, we we do a different one every day, a special one if you like. Um, and one day it might have salted duck eggs, the next day it might have some sweet pork alongside. Um, but today we're doing one with um, with the Thai cucumbers and the sour leaf. There are there are other sour leaves in in the in the UK and in the West. So if you think about like sorrel, that's like sounds really unusual, but. Um, but in the context of a papaya salad where it's sweet and sour, you could use a raw, some raw sorrel and it would be um, a similar and not entirely strange substitute. And the whole point of any kind of cooking is you can make it up. If you get to understand what the flavours should be, then you can make it up a little bit yourself, can't you? Yeah, I think, you know, if you're cooking at home, absolutely. Like, you can, you can change the way that... The certain ingredients you put in a dish you can change the seasoning if, if that's just frankly how you like it but also I think one of the things that we do at Somsara is really try and understand Thai food um, and then understand what flavours go well with the dish and if you can find occasionally a, an appropriate substitute locally that's really fresh and really in season then using that but it's I think the first step for, for us has always been to first of all understand Thai food and what the, the meaning of the dish is and the flavours um, but it's certainly true that like, what's very much part of the Thai philosophy, you see it a lot, is to use local seasonal ingredients, particularly vegetables and herbs and fruit. And so um, Thai people would certainly, if they had sorrel in Thailand, be using it in 
some dishes where they would want sour leaves and it, and so as I say if, if you kind of understand the formula the way that you you need to cook the way that you cook and season and what tastes go with what then you can pick appropriately certain ingredients that yeah. work well learn the rules before you can break exactly them. yeah and how does that feel to be kind of carrying this flag of authentic Thai cuisine in cool London town yeah I think it's it's a really interesting question um, it's something that in some ways we put no thought into in the sense of you know you're just passionate about our food and what you want to do is cook it and learn it and that seems to be kind of enough right that's that's just, that's that's your drive that's your direction and that's simple but I think we're always conscious that while we want to really represent the food honestly from Thailand we don't want to model ourselves as the one authority on it or say that you know what we're doing is authentic and what other people aren't or that what we're doing is way better than what other people are doing yeah. um, this is we're just trying to cook the type of Thai food that we love yeah. and do it as well as we possibly can yeah. last year there was a little bit of uh, uh, a chat about the a cultural appropriation after a Twitter slur. Tell me about that. What yeah, happened? so there was there was something that happened on social media um, where one of our employees had um, some content on online where it, it was inappropriate and we hadn't picked up on it. And um, we racially inappropriate. Yeah, it, I, he he was trying to I think be funny and he wasn't being funny, and um, it was really it was really inappropriate. And that made it, and we were really sad about that because what, you know, just to be associated with anything like that yeah. um, was the last thing we ever wanted because we've spent our whole, dedicated our adult, the best part of our adult lives to cooking Thai food and travel there. I've worked in Thailand, I speak language and I have nothing but love and respect for, yeah. for Thailand. So anything that might detract from that idea or seem that we are disrespecting or appropriating in any way, shape or form would be, you know, something that makes us really sad. So... I think, you know, we, we, it was a learning experience for us and we made some mistakes in not noticing it and not picking up on it. Um, Fast enough, because you did sack him. Yeah, we did. We Yeah, we did. Um, and as I say, we, we didn't do everything right. We, le- we, you know, we really had to learn from the experience and hold our hands up when we should have noticed things earlier and when we got things wrong. Yeah. Um, so... But it did provoke a, an argument that perhaps is quite important. You know, we're in a very diverse city. You know, London is now seen as one of the great food capitals of the world, largely because of our massive immigration population and our open-mindedness as an indigenous population as well. So we love food from all over the world. We've done it for a very, very long time, but we're just doing it very well now. But it does beg that question that here you are in a fantastic restaurant getting massive accolades for cooking somebody else's food. Yeah, I think there's always, I think, you know, cultural appropriation and what is appropriate when it is okay and in what way it's okay to cook another cuisine from another culture's food is increasingly, you know, relevant in this multicultural world that we live in. And, you know, so much positivity in London, you know, everyone is so uh, open to new foods, to eating new things, to new cultures, um, that that's really great. But I think you, you just you know, with cooking another culture's cuisine comes the responsibility of being respectful. Yeah. And um, that's what we've always tried to do here at Somsa. But this episode that happened just really helped us, you know, refocused us on, you know, you always got to check, you know, is your house all right? Are other things, the way that you're talking about that cuisine, the way that you're cooking it, other the way that you're allowing other people opportunities, 
you know, are you doing as much as you can and have you missed something? So it is increasingly relevant, I think. Yeah. And um, we're conscious of it, but we've always fallen back on the position of, you know, trying to do things as respectfully as we can and cooking the food and just wanting to cook the food and serve it as in an, in an honest and true to the, the food of Thailand sort yeah. of style and being warm and hospitable. And that's, that's always been the most important thing to us and, and this just reminded us this whole episode just reminded us of how important that is and that that is the best way of reflecting your own values if you like so where are we up to everything's been pounded now um, and the dressing is bruised into the ingredients so you'll see like the beans and the cucumbers have been like lightly smashed mm. and that allows them to absorb some of the dressing um, and then I tasted it just to check the seasoning so you're looking for a balance obviously of not all Thai dishes have sweet, salty, sour um, and hot but this is a classic one that does some Thai dishes I think some one of the sort of misconceptions that all Thai dishes have to have all those elements some that's definitely true but some are supposed to be just hot or just rich or just herbal and it depends on which part of the cuisine you're cooking and what else is on the table and you're sometimes trying to find like a balance of dishes across the dishes that you share not just within one dish but this is a good example of a dish that has all those elements in harmony if you like as well as the textures of like there's some soft textures in there but there's also some crunchy ones um, so checking the seasoning is an important last yeah. step mm-hmm. and then and then serving up um, fabulous so people did love what you were doing so much so that when you actually put it out to them to ask for some crowdfunding help it went through the roof yeah we were really lucky we had a fantastic response to our crowdfunding campaign and it it allowed us to um, open a restaurant where the investors are our kind of customers and our friends and people from the industry a really nice network of supportive people who are invested and bought into the kind of the journey um, but are also the type of people that we see in and out of the restaurant eating Um, and that's that's been a great platform to run a restaurant on we can do it the way you know the way that we feel you know I think sometimes if you have a big investor you, you might feel like they're your boss you know but we have a having such a pool of invested you know in inverted commas investors yeah. um, has been fantastic for us and it great, gives us a great platform to move forward Wonderful. that looks absolutely delicious on the plate can't wait to taste it thank you very much indeed Andy Oliver you're very welcome thanks for listening to the delicious podcast I'll be back next week with the monthly magazine style podcast featuring the winner of the Jane Grigson Trust Award for the best new food and drink writer of the year.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. 